Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 129, episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Sorry. Fox News, and you know what? Fuck Donald Trump. I'm going to come out right now wow. and say okay. it. I right, think YG. he's doing a bad job. Uh, it's Tuesday, April 15th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Oh, don't you dare touch that and keep away from me. I said you're gonna hack. She said social distance with me. Somebody call the CDC. She said, ooh, social distance with me. That was courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi, man. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I heard about a virus coming round. It's gonna lock up all our asses down. And when it happens, when it happens, I'll be smoking blunts. So daily zeitgeist, daily zeitgeist, boom, boom, boom. All this running around. I could keep going. That's Tame Impala. Let it happen. Thank you to Bowling for Queso at Bowling for Q uh, for that. Tame Impala inspired AK, one of my favorite bands. So thank you for that. Yeah, yo. And we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented, the brilliant Zara Norbarsh. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's going on? I'm talking to you from my bed. Mm-hmm. Are you in bed? Oh. <laughs> got the, there's got a, the, a Winnebago the just by? went by, yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, are you you're fun. are you you are broadcasting from bed? From bed. Fantastic. How is your posture so good? Are you leaned against the wall? Uh, this green screen makes it so that you just see the front half and not my hunched back. <laughs> oh, right. I, got it, got um, it. Impressive Zoom background today. Uh, uh, how would you describe your Zoom background? Like an Ellen DeGeneres birthday card? It says, happy birthday, Irene. It's for my friend Irene, too. What's up? Happy birthday. Uh-huh. And uh, Dory. Yeah, it's a Dory. It's got Ellen's face. It's a Dory-themed uh, background with unofficial Pixar art. Uh, the Pixar art is not uh, <laughs> its not actually Dory from Pixar. That, it's yeah. more of a uh, like a, a seventh grader's interpretation. Okay, here's what yeah, I don't understand. How do you know it's unofficial? Oh, because I watch so much Pixar shit. Because it looks like something from like a 70s science book. Like the but, way the animals right. are painted, but how do you know it's yeah. not an official? Official, yeah, I, you're, that's true. It could be concept. Pixar art. wouldn't put that shit book. out. <laughs> hey, it could be concept art, Pix- Jack. We don't know. These could be early storyboards. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But <laughs> Pix- yeah, that's a good point. That's a good, very good point. And I apologize for being presumptive of uh, presumptuous <laughs> about your background. I'm uh, just impressed. Green screen. Miles is rocking the uh, the Simpsons couch in his background. Uh, yeah. Lo- loving these green screen. I'm rewatching so much Simpsons. Like it's unbelievable. Like I'm really going. I'm trying to recreate the TV block that would happen in LA, like after school that I would watch, <laughs> where it's like Simpsons, right, right. Married with Children, King of the Hill, Malcolm in the Middle, News, uh, Mash. You know, whatever. But the Simpsons have really come through in a big way. Oh, that just that brought point. back so much nostalgia for me. <laughs> right. 
Mash was when you knew it was time to turn it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no, this this seems entertaining for sure. Was was Conan on, ever on like after school or did my friend just videotape it and I totally I assumed that like we were watching reruns, but I think it was actually he was videotaping what had been on the night before. Shout out to Brian Basta, good man. Uh, we watched a lot of a lot of Conan together, early days. Like <laughs> first season, Conan was so good. Like back when they still had Pimp Bot. Yeah. Oh yeah, back when yeah, it was like real early days. Like some right. of the some of the really wild shit wasn't even landing like with the audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, people were like, "Wait, what the fuck?" You're talking about Conan uh, O'Brien, but, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Early Conan. Yeah, sorry, not uh, Conan with the sword and Xena. Of the Xena, the Warrior Princess universe. Conan with um, the uh, Zara, how are you doing? How, how are you quarantining? Okay, so I had two COVID scares. Have you oh, guys shit. had those where you get like allergies and you're like, is this it? Oh, no. I've tried to be very like careful the second. I don't know. I, I When we were on tour, that was when I felt the most vulnerable because there was a while where we were on like eight planes in the matter of like yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Um, like yeah. right towards the end of February. And right after that, I was very much like any little thing um, I thought may have been illness. But no, I I, I tried not to freak myself out because I'm pretty good at doing that myself. But then what about like your grocery shopping, your out and about, like getting supplies at times? I I, I assume the expert uh, advice that's been given out will keep me safe. So I try not to think too many permutations past what that expert (laughs) advice is. Sucker. Sucker. Am I right, Zara? Yeah, this right. Guy. My believe expert in, advice believe comes Believe in what from the scientists say. Not the scientists, the president <laughs> and his tweets That's right. about what I need to stock <laughs> up on. That's what you do, That's you right. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you dumb dumb. I actually had a minor COVID scare over the weekend uh, where I couldn't smell. Uh, actually, I'm not going to bring this up because people don't want to hear about my son's dirty diapers. So I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I bring that up, but no let's matter just say how that deeply the, uh, I inhaled, no matter how deeply oh I inhaled, <laughs> right. there was no sign I, of scent. Uh, but people don't want to hear about that. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying the the fact that like the fact that something as subjective as the sense of smell and taste right. is one of the symptoms is really like really a mind fuck because you can be really it's, uh, thrown off by that. It's funny, though, that you say your kid's diaper thing, because now that you say it, Zara, I did early on when I was just very narrowly being like, okay, if you can't smell, then you've got like I free. I was like smelling my own armpit so deeply (laughs) to try and be like, there's no way there's no way this is odorless. There's no way I smell this good. Yeah, and I'm like using like Her Majesty as like a fucking control group. I'm like, you come here and you smell right. this now. What do you yeah. know? Okay, now let me smell your no, armpit. It's a now, wild, what do you smell? Like, it's a weird yeah. like prisoner's dilemma where like everybody, like, like the people you're quarantined with, you're having to like work <laughs> off of them. And it's right. all like relative, like ability to smell terrible smells is like. Okay, you also. I, I feel like maybe that's not the one that we need to use to scientifically no. diagnose ourselves. You reminded me how I'm actually doing uh, because my husband is at home. He's in medical school, but he's in his fourth year and they're all at home studying. And uh, so my stand up is ruined. All I have are fart jokes. That's it. 
That's my whole audience. <laughs> Let me see if I got it. Let me see if I got it. He's had me practice this like, I don't know, 17 times a day. Okay. Let her rip. <laughs> Let her rip. I mean, that's, that's diapers, good. diapers, diapers. That's yep, his favorite. See? That's his Very- favorite. You're dialing in your whole new brand now. I'm I'm really curious to yeah. see what people's new comedy brands are coming out of this. <laughs> yeah, my new album is going to be different. <laughs> let her rip. It's just going to be called Let Her Rip. <laughs> yeah, let her rip. Can she please rip? That's the next album. <laughs> <laughs> Permission to rip. Per- permission to rip. <laughs> Can you let um, a woman rip? Yeah, oh, that's yes, weird. No, thank you. let's not do that last one. Thank that's you. Little... Yet she still <laughs> ripped. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, Zara, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to check in real quick. I've watched half of Tiger King and I, the new episode of Tiger King that is not really an episode of Tiger King. Uh, we're going to talk about Bernie endorsing Biden. We're going to talk about uh, just the complete clusterfuck that is the Trump administration and the GOP's response to coronavirus. Uh, we're going to talk about Quarchella. Uh We're going to talk about Joe Exotic just straight up crushing it in Europe. Uh, Disney deciding that it's time for more Robin Hood. We need more Robin Hood mm-hmm. in, in this world. And Jaws, of course, being the... Uh, the the moment the or the movie of the moment. Uh, yes. First, are we like to ask our guests what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are or where we are as a people? I was just looking up Con Con. Wow. Oh, from Star Trek. Yes. Wow. What? Why? Why did you? Is this part of your fart bit or <laughs> <laughs> you, you just you know fart? What? You go Con. <laughs> It's a great way to cover it up. Yeah, oh, just right. Huge distraction, yeah. Scream con Way to part. step on my punchline. That oh, was my oh, shit, chance sorry. to let her rip and yell, con. <laughs> are, you a, are you a Trekkie? I'm a, I am kind of a Trekkie. I'm also like directing quarantine movies mm-hmm. with my students who... Well, because my I have a bunch of solo performance students who... At the Hollywood Fringe got moved to October. And wow, meanwhile, we got to rehearse and try stuff. So we've been doing it like all, you know, to camera. And like, we were like, oh, we should totally just like do this for IGTV now. Uh, and we're mimicking like scenes from famous films for one of my students, <laughs> uh, Bushra nice. Bernie. She's got her show coming out in October now. Uh, and there's going to be a great con scene. It's going to be red. Nice. That sounds incredible. What is something you think is underrated? Tim Allen. Sorry, is that obvious? Oh, no. I oh, think no. so. It Tim Allen is saying. underrated? <laughs> Where, yeah. how is, I'm sorry. Maybe I, I was in a, a child care coma over the weekend, so sometimes <laughs> I just miss what is happening in the culture. I was on a diaper-sniffing bender over the weekend. I was on a, <laughs> that's right. What, what, why is Tim Allen underrated right now? Okay, I've been watching so many Christmas movies because, you know, it doesn't matter what time it is because yep. it's just always mm-hmm. your house. Uh, mm-hmm. and I went on like a Christmas. It's just binge. always your house is my favorite description <laughs> of it. It doesn't matter what it is because it's always your house. <laughs> yep, facts. Go on. I'm sorry. 
it's just where we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching so many Tim Allen movies. Man, okay, he's got some pretty bad lines sometimes, mm-hmm. and he does a good job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's he, always committed. He's got that cocaine charisma, you know, <laughs> that just like he can nail even the botched lines. I was watching the Santa Claus again, uh, and my goodness. Wait, really? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like they, they in the one of the opening scenes, the boss is like encouraging drunk driving kind of. And then there's like this white uh-huh. man is like interrupting a woman of color to like take all credit for the work that's been done. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like this tracks, I guess, but yeah, uh, I'm 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 <laughs> Tim Allen has that thing. Like back then, they were like, "This guy just can't miss, man." He's fucking grunting on Home Improvement, and people are like, "Yeah, dude, that's not even a line," but that's fucking we love <laughs> let it. her rip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm finding my audience. I'm finding them. Yeah, he has big letter rip energy. <laughs> letter uh, rip. Cocaine yeah. charisma. That's my new yeah. favorite okay. noun phrase. <laughs> I have way less Tim Allen in my life, and I'm gonna remedy that. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on uh, getting getting more Tim Allen in my life. Let's to all do that. Catch up with you guys. I, yeah, yeah. I do that, Indeed. and then cause a violent, like, emotional, mental car crash by loading up his latest stand-up <laughs> and juxtapose oh, no. the two, and then you can be like, "All right, this fucking last cool. man standing," because everybody else isn't a real man. Wasn't he? He was gonna what do I that say. like fuck your feelings snowflakes tour with Adam Carolla, wasn't he? Or did they already do that? That's the name of I a tour. It was basically like old washed white comedians who like don't know how to do material other than being toxic and mean as humor, quote unquote, and like pushing back against like this new world. So they're just gonna go out and be like, nah, dude. Straight do you ever shooters. have moments where you're like, damn, my social media is highly curated for me i don't uh, see any of this you know oh yeah i i i'm i get off on looking at every corner of the internet so i'm always, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like y'all there are really people seriously like yeah man this shit is necessary i'm like oh boy people who haven't moved i past check the drudge fish. more than i check like cnn it's really it's a uh, more morbid curiosity than anything Zara, what is uh, what is something you think is overrated? Pandemics. Oh yeah, yeah. get over Enough it, snowflakes. Panic. Yep. Yeah. Fuck your feelings, man. <laughs> this Fuck this your new feelings. brand of yours is great. I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> there is a little. Is there more? Is there more of a call for the greatest generation? Like what remains of it for them to go back out there and work? You know, if they really are the greatest generation, wouldn't they be the ones to put their lives on the line for this American economy? Wait, which yeah. generation is that? I thought that's their parents. The uh, the 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 parents of boomers. The boomers' parents. The boomers' parents is the greatest generation. Yeah, they're like the World War II depression live like survivors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. According that's to them, thought. but I mean, I I, I have to say it's got to be the boomers. I mean, they they invented uh, all the cool stuff. Well, here's so, why the, pandemics are overrated. Uh huh. Because. Uh, I've been reading that a lot of this talk about the pandemics is like something that we actually have to get used to on a regular basis because part of the reason why COVID got so bad is climate change, Mm. the climate crisis. Oh, really? Yes, because of the rapid disappearance of species. Oh, wow. Yeah, and because we've lost somewhere around like, I think 
more than 250 million species in the last four years. Yeah, the, the, the and also like the biomass like the d- decrease is also f- f- horribly alarming. Wait, how did the dying off of species lead to the pandemic? I don't know the exact science behind this, but I know that there's a relationship between um, viruses that animals pick up before it gets to us at all. Oh, interesting. That resolve like themselves. slows it down? Yes, and yeah. uh, something like that. And because of the rapid decline of species, there we don't have that protection anymore. Oh, wow. I think the other That's thing, too, even to like it, especially when you compare what we're looking at with climate change like that's the other scientific thing people are doing a really good job at pretending isn't a thing and our solutions to that aren't just shelter in place either and it's like that's what's really the dark yeah even darker lining to this it's like okay so we're barely getting our shit together bare like not even getting our shit, barely scraping by with coronavirus what do we what does that mean for the climate change conversation when we can we sort this out? Are we ready to talk about that? Like that's a thing that could also wipe out most of the earth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we could have been doing shelter in place to reverse climate crisis cuz that's been working actually. Right. Yeah. And it, as you guys may know uh from my other appearances on your show, I am a huge fan of secular catastrophes, mm-hmm. aka any catastrophe that's not Muslim. Right. And <laughs> The disappearance of Antarctica is one that I've been following for a really long time. And now the soil underneath the all of the ice in Antarctica is actually thawing. Yes. Yeah. And with it are also thawing prehistoric viruses that never died. New bacteria. Yes, Christ. Literally just keeping it on ice, bro. Just keep that on ice for a few million years. Look at how excited uh, p- my face is for this secular <laughs> catastrophe. I've never seen someone feign a smile as good as you right there, Zara. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now's the time when you tell us a, a myth and you explain that everything you just said was a myth, hopefully. We're going to die horribly <laughs> pretty soon. They keep telling us that it's impossible to reverse climate crisis, right? Climate change that like... You know, mm. L.A. is fucked too bad. There's no way that we're going to ever be able to make this work. But then in the last three weeks, they're like because of the lack of cars on the road, the film over L.A. has disappeared. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. And part LA of the reason part of the reason why we have so much rain is actually because that smog cloud is lifted, and so the rain clouds can actually make their way up the mountain. Oh, is that true? I didn't yeah. realize that. The rain is nice. It's a nice uh, change of pace. The knock, but it's just so funny cyclically, right? More cars means more smog, which means more carbon, which means less rain, which means more fire, which means more carbon, which, and then you eliminate that even pollution aspect of it, and it's giving us a bump in like, moisture that's all you know and it's yeah. like what the yeah. fuck we have we literally have like two weeks extra rain because we're driving this much less and when i was in high school i remember the way that they talked about the like pollution in la it was just like good luck solving that right right yeah that's true i re- yeah i remember that that uh air pollution and even the hole in the ozone layers were kind of portrayed as uh, irreversible problems, and then once you know, once the hole in the ozone layer started going in the other direction, uh, people 
like stopped covering it as a news story. Basically, we just kind of forgot about it. And, you know, the uh, all it took was three weeks and an economic meltdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like, you know, there, there are some ways in which official policy isn't taking into account climate change. But I do. I agree that we should be kind of covering climate change as something that is more actionable than, you know, I, I feel like the two messages I get sometimes are we're fucked or you guys are overreacting and there's not no problem. Basically there, there's not sort of that in between where there's a hopeful message. Yeah. You know, the other thing that's interesting is like in this situation, because before it was always up to us, like, you know, we can't do that to the car industry. We can't do that to gas and oil, but then now it's not really up to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems pretty clearly uh, out of our hands, but hopefully I keep coming up against this thought uh, over like even the last three stories we've talked about that that the world is just thoroughly being controlled by the baby boomer like point of view, like even with the greatest generation having this mythic ideal about them and like that's the baby boomer generation's parents so so it's like we're just dealing with their like daddy issues basically (laughs) um but also like how they're dealing with climate change and just their inability to like take blame because they're so narcissistic and there's you know in the in the quarantine uh i just read a statistic that 40 something percent of people under the age of 35 it's basically like People who aren't boomers are getting fucked by this economic catastrophe caused by climate change, and boomers are still somehow fine, even though you know they're older and should be uh, at least as vulnerable as the rest of us when it comes to economic, uh, like where we are economically. Oh yeah, they're just somehow Dude, cushioned. Boomer IG is popping right now in the age of the quarantine. Like really? I've never seen people. Is more. it really? I see. I see some people's parents, uh, who I follow on Instagram, and then other people. People. Sh- I I like to look at older people's Instagram things. Like I, I'll go down a wormhole because I there is there is a group I see of sort of older people who are like nearing retirement or whatever who are truly like taking this as like like every day is like a quarantini pick that they have. Yeah, and it's almost like. Right, right. This is a big fucking laugh for some clock. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah, like, no. Yeah. What about fucking like mass suffering a clock constantly? Like, and let's let's really yeah. kind of readjust how we're looking at it. But yeah, I think on some level there is that uh, a blissful ignorance to this whole ordeal for some people. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more podcast. And we're back. And uh, over the weekend, there was a lot of buzz that uh, Donald Trump was going to fire Dr. Fauci um, Mm. because uh, on Jake Tapper over the weekend, Fauci admitted that, uh, you know, the thing we all know is true, that uh, lives could have been saved if Trump wasn't such a narcissistic catastrophe of a president. Mm. Um and 
then on Sunday evening, Trump retweeted a post uh, that ended with the hashtag time to hashtag fire Fauci. I don't know. It, it seems like somewhat inevitable that that's going to happen because on the one hand, you have the person who uh, at least represents the truth. I don't know if he's necessarily like the uh, truth seeking hero that we all have made him out to be. But uh, Fauci is definitely the person who at least represents the truth in the administration, uh, probably has the most at stake when it comes to, uh, you know, disagreeing with the president and at least uh, being willing to put the truth out there. And then the president is, you know, just tied to whatever is best for his ego at any given moment. So there's going to be a clash there. We've seen this play out every time. He doesn't like experts. He doesn't like people with any kind of experiential knowledge that would actually help him or any anyone who comparatively knows more than him, especially when it's something like right now, Trump is clearly like in this headspace of, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, like the numbers have to look right or I'll go to jail if I'm not reelected kind of energy. And everything is so focused on like what the numbers look like. What's the economy going to look like? What are this? Da, 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 da. And so when you have the clearly like within the White House, everyone wants to keep him safe. So like before Fauci, right, there was Azar at Health and Human Services, who's a former pharmaceutical, you know, executive who runs HHS. He was even even that guy, the pharma ghoul was telling Trump at the end of January. He's like, hey, man, you got to fucking look into this, dude. Like this is going to be this could be bad. He's like, this is really We're looking at some really significant losses here if we don't do anything. And that's why, Alex, we haven't heard from him ever since because apparently Pence, Kushner, everyone's like, shut the fuck up. Don't fucking say real shit to him or he's going to get all fucking mad. That's why he's fallen. That's why Azar completely vanished from being head of HHS to like, we're like, okay. So there's this contempt of like, don't upset Pappy with facts because he can't handle it. So just let him make decisions based on non-knowledge that are going to have real-world effects. I don't know how they think that's a sustainable like sort of model to manage this all. I mean, I don't think that yeah. they're meant to. I think that right. Trump is here to Chapter 11, the United States. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's well. He's doing a great job. I mean, that is, yeah, yeah. in a way, that is his MO like in life. So makes sense. Wherever he goes, bankruptcy. Yeah, absolutely. He every everything he touches turns to shit except for his own reputation, which he manages to just kind of push his way through by lying and it's But that's within his own head. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it but it works. Yeah. I mean, it, it's worked for for a long time because he knows how to he's very successful at manipulating people, but nobody comes away from him unscathed and by electing him president, we let the we invited the vampire into the house essentially. And I don't, he's not going to leave office without a huge fight that is going to challenge every norm that we have to your point, miles. I think there's a uh, more and more reporting coming out on the Trump administration, like what was going on inside the Trump administration during these crucial weeks where they weren't uh, social isolating or recommending social isolating. Uh, there was a New York times in-depth article on Sunday uh, that was pretty uh, went into detail about, you know, people like Fauci who are like pushing. And so I'm assuming that's why he feels comfortable now coming out and being like, yeah, so obviously 
this guy is fucking up, but um, it's, I, I don't know. It, on the one hand, like, yeah, we're correcting the record and it's going to be known. It's going to, like, people are going to know who fucked up. But on the other hand, from a practical perspective, it's, you know, there there's still lives to be saved. And in fact, this might be the most crucial time uh, for, for the saving of lives. Uh, Trump is, meanwhile... Uh, while he's retweeting things about firing Fauci, he is being selfish about getting credit for the decision to reopen the country, which I I don't see how this doesn't fuck him. I'm sure there's some way I'm not thinking of. What that, do you mean selfish? Uh, like he's like, he's, it's my he's idea. Like, it's my decision. Yeah, it's my decision. It's my decision alone. And it's an incredibly, you know, that there's it's a no win decision. And it's one that. Like when he first suggested the Easter thing, Kellyanne Conway was like, you can't say shit like that because every death after Easter, if you go forward with this, you will own every death that happens after Easter from a political uh, standpoint. But it just seems oh, like damn. he I is. Wondered. Yeah, but it just seems like he is uh, too, like, you know, short-sightedly egotistical. And, and there were a bunch of articles about how governors were going to have to make their own decisions on a state by state basis. And he was like, no, it's my, it's my decision. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in my task force, which is Javanka. He's uh-huh. now openly saying like, my children are going to be part of the task force. Uh, and he's going to consult a couple other people and then make the decision on when to reopen the uh, government, but it is it is an incredibly difficult decision that probably should be made by governors. But he, uh, you know, being a egotistical dictator, um, at least in aspiration, he wants to be he wants to be the guy who makes the big decision. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a no win situation that probably can't be good for him politically if we're assuming that we still live in a democracy, which. You know, who knows if we do based on we don't. Yeah, uh, I mean, how the- easy it's going to be for him to manipulate things and declare martial law and kill the post office and to de- decline to let people vote over mail. The post office is like the last. That's a barometer for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. a big one. <laughs> I think that's gonna. I think people are gonna be pissed if they lose the post office. That's a. That's like. Well, and also like how readily they're willing to dismantle everything so quickly without any thought given to it is like that's also just like oh that's we're we're truly in like the darkest timeline at that point when we're like yeah no don't need the don't need the post office just nope. let's just yeah. get rid of that thing yeah, emergency privatize everything. What was that um, word you said? Destabilizations are? Yes. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Chapter mm. 11, the United States. Yeah. That's right. So anyways, I mean, that's a that's a big conversation that's being had on both sides about Wisconsin pushed through and had uh, their primary, despite the fact that experts were saying this is wildly irresponsible and we should just find a way to let people only vote over mail because uh, going out to the polls right now is deadly. Uh, they still had it, and you know, there's these Fox News articles where uh, they they're both sizing it. They're like, on the one hand, people think it's deadly. On the other hand, voting by mail opens things up to massive voter fraud, mm-hmm. which what? again is a made up problem. Made yeah. up problem that uh, you know they continue to insist is 
a real issue because <laughs> right. it's the only way for them to suppress the vote. Well, I think for them, it's like, oh, and also voter fraud on our side could become a massive problem. Right. They're like predicting <laughs> yeah. how they, what they would do, because that's typically the concerns they raise is that they already, it's like having like a burglar do your home security assessment where like, yeah, I'd probably get in through there or I could, <laughs> I could unlock that. No, so you want to lock that up. Yeah, it's good you, you asked me about this because there could be massive voter fraud, honestly. Also, so. what are we going to do with voter fraud? Do you know what I mean? Like at this point, the things we're asking for are like voter fraud so that we have income to put back into the economy and have health care so we don't die and also, you know, create more crises for public health. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, sounds that about sound right. you just made sums it all up. That is, <laughs> I think that is the the sound. It's my it cocaine up, uh, charisma, Jack. Cocaine charisma. <laughs> my, that's <laughs> just cocaine Broadcasting charisma. to you live from my bed. My From my bed. Let it rip one time for the people in the back. <laughs> All right, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back to talk about more bullshit. And we're back, and it's time to talk about some bullshit, uh, such as Tiger King and I. The Tiger King and I. Uh, Is that what that episode was called? Yeah. they. I, it should have just been released as an individual standalone special, Zoom special. Uh, yeah. it's, I can't imagine the filmmakers of the documentary uh, are, are thrilled that they're now like they released this thing as though it were another episode of the documentary. And it's just basically, it's like a weird mixture of a reunion episode of a real housewives show, uh, except they're not all in the same place. So much less dynamic. And also it's a series where the people are a mixture of haunted ghosts and horrifying monsters and they're all a little bit complicit in animal cruelty but uh otherwise it's just like dish baby what do you yeah. think about joe isn't it he had, a bitch i got through maybe the halfway through jeff lowe's so that was only the second interview segment when i was like this is not helping like this is an inch it's weird the tone is so weird especially when like joel McHale's cracking so jokes weird as like the one zookeeper is like half lamenting the fact that like he was like helping like trick the tigers so they could be euthanized and shit. And you're like, okay. He's uh, like, but those tigers were sick. Right. And the guy was like, you'd hope so, but nah, nah, man. Yeah. Just... That's when you're like, hold on. Okay. You know, for all the goofy character shit, that's interesting about this documentary. It's like, there's also the, all the dark animal cruelty shit that really goes along with it also. Like, and when you see that dude, the zookeeper kind of like, go through his mind of how he's like, the tigers trusted me, and were it not for their trust that they had in me, I couldn't get them in a position to be tranquilized to be later just summarily yeah. executed. I mean, we saw him go through that while like drinking himself to uh, unconsciousness during the episode, and that was far more powerful than uh, anything you know, the, that you see in this, it's just basically a check-in that reconfirms everything you already know <laughs> about from the series. I really would have rather had Nicole Byer. Mm, yeah. Oh, by, 
For sure. It's it was weird. So the reason right? Joel McHale, when when somebody first sent uh, I think Super Producer Anna Hosnier uh texted the thread and was like, So it's Joel McHale hosting interviewing people and I was like, Oh, that must be a, a typo because that <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense. Like the guy from the soup that like which is specifically a show that like was I, I enjoyed the hell out of the soup, but like the tone of that show is like look at these dummies uh not really interacting with the the subjects of the of the comedy in a in a way that was empathetic at all. Uh but it makes sense when you realize that community just dropped on Netflix and they're pushing that hard and he's the star of community. Um so it's basically he they they wanted to showcase that like somehow transition the success of Tiger King into like a, a community. streaming <laughs> a community binge watch, which is like such a fucking stretch, man. Hey, can we get some cross uh, promo with uh, Tiger King and <laughs> uh, community real quick? You can like see the meeting where it's happening. It's so it's the it's definitely the most kind of transparently like networky thing that I've ever seen Netflix do. Well, uh, there's even a part where Joel McHale shoehorns in a reference to Ken Jeong that doesn't make any sense. He says. uh that uh, the guy who got his arm chewed off should be uh, played by Ken Jeong. And then he's like, I mean, he would need a lot of makeup and because he's old. And uh, it's just like, no, that doesn't make any what sense. Uh, <laughs> the whole, I mean, um, he did have a show like that weird soup reboot they attempted on Netflix that only went like, maybe 20 episodes or something. So I wonder if he's like on call at Netflix. You're like, Hey, we, we gotta, we gotta do a make good with Joel, man. You're, I, I'm really curious if like a week from now, the numbers will show up and it will have worked. Oh, it'll work. Really? You think so? It will work in this very narrow instance that people want more tiger King and people will watch it to get more tiger King, but it won't work in the long-term sense of this does damage to the Netflix brand because it's such a weird, uh, you know, like there's no there's no traceable way that they'll be able to be like, well, now people are think of us in a slightly diminished way. But it's a it's a bad look for them. I think uh, the is, ranch is a bad clear. look for them. You know what I mean? The ranch is also a bad look for Netflix, them. This feels like it's a, on the level of the ranch. But that's where Netflix is. They're going to be like, what are you going to do? Go to another streaming platform? Ha! Right. Damn it. I think the big mistake they made was like releasing it as an episode of the show. Like If they had just been like, here's a dumb one-off special where like Joel McHale interviews some people... Like not right. a lot of people would have watched it probably, but it would have been honest. But the fact that they released it as an episode, the big thing that I learned from the episode is that uh, Joel McHale's hair is not human hair. I don't know if you guys noticed that uh, he. Mm. I've seen this once before on Nicholas Cage's head when I've I was seen in college this and once interviewed before. him for <laughs> the school newspaper, but it's like. When there's not, uh, you know, an entire, you know, hundreds of people, uh, sized crew working on making the person look really good, uh, you can kind of see that the hair is like stapled in there a little bit or, uh, just a little strange. You saw the like you can, you can see like his hairline has like little, like, uh, 
divots like you would see in a cornfield. Oh, this um, is the problem with HD. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I don't begrudge him his ability to like, you know, there there are when you his look plugs. back at early seasons of the soup, he was he <laughs> had a very receding hairline and now he has a very strong hairline that just looks a little bit like you know, when you see a really old doll and you see like where the hairs stapled <laughs> in a little bit, it like has the very <laughs> beginnings of that. But the weird, so that's fine. I don't begrudge him that at all. Wait, it's just wait, really. Yeah. I like how you're being so catty. You're like, look at this man. Yo, look at this man's doll hair real quick. And I don't begrudge no. him that with his tired ass looking hair. Plugs. I don't because I'm not, I'm not trying to like make fun of anybody for, you know, superficial things. Like everybody has their own like vanity stuff. And I don't like that's, that's fine. But the weird but. thing is that comes through because this is such a rushed uh. bullshit uh, production is that he keeps referencing people's hair throughout the whole thing. He like references the first guy. He's like, and did you just wash your luxury, luxurious hair? Or how many times did you wash your luxurious hair today? And he's like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I haven't. And then uh, there was <laughs> another part. He asks Jeff Lowe if the guy, the jet ski guy, like if they should have uh, like imprisoned his hairdresser. What? And then there. Like it's there are these weird things where he keeps like shoehorning in like his awareness of hair that I feel like if it had gone through another couple like rounds of production, people would have been like, it's a little weird that he keeps bringing up hair and his hair looks fine. Like it looks realish. <laughs> but like if you keep raising it as an issue, it's going to become a a thing that people notice. I don't know. That's where right, I'm it's like, at. I didn't. Yeah. This is like how Trump keeps saying like rigged. The system is rigged. So like we right. don't know. Yeah, exactly. That it is. Yeah. Exactly. But now we notice uh, some people notice it's rigged in the opposite way. Like not that it's again. He yeah. has it rigged, but it's almost like, yeah, I wouldn't have noticed his hair if it were not for him bringing up all the hair on everyone <laughs> constantly throughout everyone's the special. hair constantly. Um, Did you also yeah. notice it, Miles? No, I was watching on a phone and I was just rolling my eyes at the at the mere existence of this because mm. like what Jack said, it just had this like bizarro tell all vibe that like I wasn't like fine, whatever. I I I'm I'd rather get to like the heart of more pressing matters in that thing than just sort of like, yo, what do you guys wait, what's it like going to Walmart now, huh? Whoa, huh? Your teeth were pretty <laughs> yeah, messed people- up, huh? So what's it like being a celebrity and what's then it like, like being there's an implied maymay? like absurdity? Yeah. And he asks people to cast themselves. But you know, they're all thriving. They are. I mean, I think you still see people like the exploitative nature, like the exploitative seams of the documentary show a little bit when you have like the first person they interview is the zookeeper with the long hair. Uh and he's like talking about and how he harem? used to have a drinking problem, but he right. doesn't anymore. And that, that's also the weird thing about a reunion episode for this show is like, I mean, so what now making of a murderer is going to have a reunion episode. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, God willing, right? No, <laughs> I mean, that, that was Shala, sort of yes. what like season two was, wasn't it? Yeah. We're going to have a All reunion. Right. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> That's such a bummer. Uh, Brendan, please, please let him out. The the other person yeah. that is who was not in the documentary, but just crushing it internationally is Joe Exotic's music career. Because uh, Spotify added no some way. of the tracks on March 30th to the platform, and they've just seen it get like just Shut go up, up and up. People are consuming it. Not like in a way that it's like, it's, you know, it's the new Old Town Road. But it's funny when they look at the analytics, like the countries that are really feeling it, the highest rate of streaming, like given like the, you know, proportionate to their population is Denmark. <laughs> they are seeing Tiger right now. Uh, that's all they can see. And then it's like followed by like Iceland, the UK and Ireland, what? I think, are like also like some of the more interested countries in terms of like volume per person. But obviously the United States has the most like numerical numbers of spins because population. Uh, but the the enthusiasm ranked by state, apparently North Dakota is listening it to listening to Joe Exotic at the highest rate, then Mississippi, Montana, Kentucky, and West Virginia. Nevada, Hawaii, California, the least. California, the least? Yeah. Good job, California. Come on, California, and get out there. Because we're out here bumping like, real music. We're like, it's raining <laughs> again. Yeah. I know. They're like, I'm going to listen sad. to Sour Times by Portishead. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's not singing any of that music. No. Which people, people really uh, ended up liking that music more. Like, that ended up being one of the big takeaways was like, Man, Joe Exotic has a really good voice. Like for people who I wasn't really paying attention to it that much, but uh yeah, it turns out he wasn't singing any of that. He was like softly singing over top of yeah. an actual singer who he paid to make those albums. Yeah. Granted, still showing a degree of uh narcissistic genius that if he hadn't been arrested for murder, could have one day gotten him elected president, but like that's not a thing that a non-narcissist like thinks to do is uh, hire a band to play music and let you pretend <laughs> you're singing it. Right. But that's the same mentality, right? Like of at a certain level of power and narcissism, you start doing the thing where you just like build these monuments to your own bullshit myth, like self-mythologizing yep. or like, you know, whether it's Kim Jong-un like had like 18 holes in one or his dad had like 18 holes in one in a golf game. We're like, what the f- why even say that? Who gives a fuck? Or just Joe Exotic being like, <laughs> here's a fake ass song where I can actually sing because that's my brand. It's just like the same shit playing out at right. different levels. He did run for yeah. president. Yeah, he did. It's true. And probably would have been the second worst person to uh, get elected. <laughs> uh, you think he would have kept the field. post office? Probably. Oh, yeah. Probably would have kept Hell the yeah. post office up and running. That's um, why I sell little baby tigers. <laughs> ship them around. Just love on these little baby tigers. Just love on them. <laughs> so the New York Times Magazine had a panel of experts for an interview on how to restart the world. No way. Yeah. yeah. We're there now. And reset. Was, yeah. Yeah. Time but to reset. Well, control, like how- alt, delete. I think it's uh I think it's more like like we this whole apocalypse has been more subtle and like slow and boring than I think any of the apocalypses we had imagined uh, <laughs> up to this point and I think the restarting is going to be more yeah like slow awkward slow. full of stops and starts uh than than we're imagining right now yeah they got Uh-oh. you know they a lot of people are curious you know like what what does normal look like? We were talking about this last week. What the fuck is normal anyway anymore? And like, what's the return to that? Even from like 
a social distancing social distancing standpoint. And a lot of what these experts said, they had like, you know, people in like bioethics or like epidemiologists and uh, virologists sort of all talking. And they're all kind of saying the same thing. Like the only way we get back to what we think is normal or the way we can curb this social, like even relax some of the social distancing is we need more testing and we have to rapidly be able to test and we have to do, uh, we need contact tracing. That's way more efficient to get a handle on it. Anyone talking about that shit before this, they're like, is like, it's just full of shit. Like, it's just overly optimistic to look at that. And one of the more kind of striking things is they were the, I think the person conducting the interview was sort of mentioning this June date. Cause I think a lot of people were saying like June could maybe be the beginnings of some relaxing of these uh, social distancing guidelines and again, they were sort of like, mm, not without that testing, not without properly like they said, you know, in the United States, especially like we're not even in a complete lockdown as a country. Like there's still eight governors who have yet to really make oh, real wow. moves right. on this. So it's like, I don't know how you can think this is we're really handling it when we're still just allowing other places of the country to keep moving on when other countries who have been going through this have had to lock down entirely. Um, and they said in terms of industries, like maybe manufacturing construction would come back first because you can reasonably keep six feet away from somebody and like mm. exercise social distancing there. But he said, the, this one expert said, if you're talking about concerts, gatherings, fucking sporting events and shit like that, who are saying, oh yeah, October 2020, we're good. This one expert is like, I see, quote, I have no idea how they think that's a plausible possibility. I think those things will be the last to return. Realistically, we're talking fall 2021 at the earliest. Wow. Fall 2021. That's wow. one. Okay, that's one expert. Okay, I'm not you know saying what? I don't want to put that. Speakers heroes but are already putting queries out for cyber lectures and uh, cyber performances through 2021. Right. It's because yeah. I think, yeah, when you look at it and our inability to actually test properly, like, you know, in Texas, the governor thinks they're going to open up real soon because a couple Walgreens are going to have testing sites. It's like, no, like we don't we're not even close to the capacity of like an Iceland who has really been able to test anyone. Granted, their population is much smaller, but like those are the levels we need to be at to be able to sort of safely say like, oh yeah, it's safe to go out or it's safe to resume these parts of life. Like we're just, I don't know, like we're, we're looking at a lot of data that we don't have yet. So they're going to keep this going. They're going to get rid of the post office, wait till after the election so that any protesters will just die. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Now I know what Halloween's going to look like. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I feel like the blood serum testing uh, like that looks for antibodies, it, if it turns out that you can't get COVID-19 twice or that your body produces an effective antibody like most other viruses, I think that's going to become a thing. Like the, the end of the movie Contagion has a whole section where people, after a a bunch of months of social distancing. And again, that virus is like way deadlier and kills basically everybody who gets sick with it. Uh, but they then create a, uh, a vaccine for people to get. And they then do like a lottery where like by birthday and then like, if you have a good, which is how they actually did it uh, for the Vietnam war. But people with good birthdays get the vaccine first and so forth. And then like, once you get the vaccine, you get this 
government issued bracelet that allows you to like go back out in public. And I feel like that is the best we could hope for. Is oh my God. Like that it would be that uniform. I think the bad version of that is that like rich people are the only people who can get the blood serum antibody testing to find out if they had it or not and if they have the antibodies. And then they're the only ones who are able to go out in public because that's what we saw with the testing to find out if you had the disease in the first place, right? Was right. Can I, uh, the an rich access people issue. and NBA players. Can I mail yeah. in my ballot now? Mm-hmm. Right. That's. I'll just send firm. it now. How about we all just <laughs> vote right now? I'm voting Marianne Williamson. Write-in candidate. Yeah, gang. <laughs> Big orb energy. Bring it on home. Uh, speaking of movies about uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, what, one that kind of keeps coming up uh, that you might not have expected to be <laughs> the embodiment of a modern-day crisis. Uh, and it's I actually did. one that- I did. What, I did. I called it. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. It's my favorite movie of all time. Me too. Oh my god! I didn't know that about you. I, I didn't, didn't know, know that you were about J- you. Jaws gang. What? Yeah, I saw it. It was like my whole claim to fame. Uh, all right, I'm just gonna see myself eight. out. Yeah, see you, Miles. Bye. Uh, like up until age eight, it was like my whole thing was how many times I'd seen Jaws, and like I was, I just like drew sharks on everything. It was really. Uh, I a have a Jaws a pillow. Wow. wow. And I have okay. a Jaws shirt that says "Pause." <laughs> That's cute. So anyways, uh, I do want to shout out J.M. McNabb, uh, who writes for the show and uh, was on the podcast when we were in Toronto, when we were still traveling. Uh, yeah. And he... February 28th, I, he compared, I believe. Yeah. He compared uh, Trump's response to the mayor from Jaws uh, back then. And yeah, it's yep. it's pretty staggering. There's you know just a lot of... A lot of moments from that movie that keep coming up in my mind when Richard Dreyfus tells the mayor that he's yes. ignoring a problem until it swims around and comes and bites him on the ass, uh, which is very memorable to me because it was like one of the first times I heard someone use the word ass and I was like, ha ha, <laughs> that guy rules. And then, you know, the guy who, or the uh, woman whose son is eaten by a shark. Uh, one of the first victims and slaps Chief Brody and says the line, you knew and now my boy is dead my to Chief Brody. My boy is a- dead. Uh, she actually, uh, the actress, passed away from complications uh, uh, due to the coronavirus uh, oh my God. very early on. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I did see that. And there's a lot of political cartoons where it's like Trump saying, why aren't you going back in the water looking like the mayor from Jaws and stuff. Yep. But it's it's also literally happening. Uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp uh, announced that he'd reopened the state's beaches like a while ago. I think it was last like last week Thursday. Yeah. This is as the Pentagon was ordering 100,000 body bags to... Uh, store the corpses of all the Americans killed by the coronavirus. He was like, let's reopen the beaches. It's getting warm down here. Um, And obviously in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis refused to issue a statewide closure of beaches. And then just across the entire, you know, tragedy that this is kind of how the Trump administration was behaving at first. Oh, my God. My love of secular catastrophe 
has just mm-hmm. skyrocketed because you're right. <laughs> we are getting into summer and people are going to keep the beaches open and it's going to be Jaws IRL, basically. Yeah, with a much less cooler way of dying. Thank uh, God we have did- Biden as our chief Brody. Am I right, guys? High fives. Oh, High yeah. fives all yes, around. High fives. Yes. Zoom fives. <laughs> Zoom, Zoom fives. fives. I always said that I wanted to get eaten by a shark when I was growing up. Wait, what? What I wanted to, this this is a far worse. Me too. What is this thing about how Boris Johnson in 2006 had this take where he says that the real hero of Jaws is the mayor? Is the mayor. Yes. (laughs) How? Boris Johnson, who started the coronavirus pandemic out being like, we're going to, you know, keep a step upper, upper lift. And, uh, you know, get through this together. And he wasn't like urging social distancing the way that the experts were uh, suggesting. And he was showing off how uh, stoic he was by continuing to shake hands with everyone and brag about it. And then I ended up it. in the ICU. Uh, in, back in 2006, he told an audience of people that the real hero of Jaws is the mayor. <laughs> uh, he said it as like sort of a tongue in cheek thing because he is, you know, leans more libertarian and he thinks any government intervention is bad. And so he was kind of being trying to be cute about it. But then when it came time to make a life or death decision, uh, he actually went the way of the mayor from Jaws for. Yep. A couple days before people were like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And he almost killed himself. Um, but there's just there's uh, memes everywhere. Uh, the, it's probably the most <laughs> the most memed movie uh, in, in association yes. with coronavirus for the first like for at least the first month. And I just think Spielberg in general has always had this like his movies always have. You know, in in other movies, the scary thing is the dark, but in his movies, it's always uh, like the horrifying things happen either in broad daylight, like in Jaws or yes. in E.T. when like all the people come in with machine guns and uh, astronaut suits and like uh, take over their town like during the day or in like it's literally like bright white light, like in Raiders or in Poltergeist or in, in uh uh, close encounters, but uh, I th- I think he was like reacting to, you know, the fact that that is actually how the most horrifying things in our world have happened in modern history. They happen in, uh, you know, the concentration camps of World War Two, or you know, gulags, or you know, they don't they don't come out of the dark. They happen yeah. in broad daylight. The most horrifying while people things that are happen watching. are legal. Yeah. 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 He's on to something, he, huh? He knows what he's doing. He's on to something, the Spielberg kid. Keep your eye on this uh, kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I've been saying it for, <laughs> like, I was saying it back in the early 2010s that I thought Spielberg's <laughs> movies were uh, pretty good. Did you guys so, catch War Horse? <laughs> Y'all check out this War Horse? Excellent. Guys, keep, uh, keep your eye on this Spielberg, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, also I love one thing I love about that movie is that the Robert Shaw character so great. He ends up like it's a self-fulfilling endeavor the whole time. He just wants to like die in the arms of the shark the whole time. Yeah. And it, there's something like very beautiful about like the scene where he's eaten and like is kind of like dragged off with his arms out. He's yes. like it's almost like he's being lifted away by a dance partner. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's one of my favorite of shots. Let her rip. Let her rip. Let her rip. Zara, it has been such a pleasure having you as always. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? You can come to my house. I'm here all day. Okay. Uh, or you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zara Comedy, Z A H R A Comedy, uh, or on IG at Zara Comedy, where I will be releasing snippets of my comedy special. Or you can help me actually get my comedy special out by supporting me on Patreon at Zara Comedy. All right. Boom. Do it, guys. Do it. Uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? The one that I was enjoying is a visual one. It's mm. an image well, that somebody took. It. Oh, my God. Somebody took a picture from Echo Park down all the way through to the uh, downtown of L.A. while hiking. And it's this gorgeous shot. And there are dolphins in Echo Park. It's amazing. What do you mean there's dolphins Wait, in that's... Echo Park? Yeah, the lake. The lake that's in Echo Park. There's dolphins in it now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, that's amazing, in the image. <laughs> Nature is free. <laughs> uh Miles, where can people find you and what's tweet you've been enjoying? Uh I like uh man, I like my handles on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Gray. And you can check out my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, where we discuss the 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 joy of the show 90 Day Fiance uh, with Sophie Alexandra. Some tweets I like. There are a few. One is from 60 Minutes um, because they, oh, it's not often 60, in, 60 Minutes just slam dunks on people, but they were interviewing Peter Navarro, uh, who we talked about, who is a trade goon who's in charge of like a lot of the, um, you know, coordinating a lot of the supplies. And he's been failing, but he's always been using excuses like, okay, look. This was like a once in 500 years flood. Like, how are we supposed to know? You know, like, oh, you watch, go back to when you guys were doing the show during the Obama administration, even the Bush administration, and show me something where you guys were talking about pandemics and how we were under underprepared. The guy during the interview is adamant that they did. He's like, well, we have. He's like, we've, this has been a thing experts have been talking about for years. He goes, yeah, well, show me that segment that you did. He goes, okay, well, I guarantee you we did. Cut to this tweet from 60 Minutes where they're like, they're, they're juxtaposing, uh, Peter Navarro denying it uh, like when oh, the amazing. existence of this coverage and then like three back to back segments, one going as far back as Damn. 2005 with Anthony Fauci warning 60 minutes that the United States was not prepared for a pandemic. Like Jesus that's Christ. amazing. It, it's amazing. Frustrating. Infuriate. You'll feel everything. This video's got it all guys. <laughs> um, then oh another one is from Melissa Del Rey. Uh, at Suavecita. Um, and it says, these are the 5Gs y'all talking about. And it's a photo of a cell phone tower. But like with these, uh, hold on. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to. Miles, we can't guys, see. So. I know. Let me let me get rid of this virtual B-ground. Um, it's with. She says, saying, these are the 5Gs you looking for. And it's like five like OG like Cholo gang members on a cell tower. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like five G so like five gangsters. Uh, so stupid. That's awesome. Um, and then lastly, uh, as Easter happened over the weekend, uh, at Randall Otis TV tweeted uh, like a screen grab of searching Google, uh, and it says Jesus height, 
And the answer says, about five foot five inches. And he tweeted, is this your king of kings? <laughs> Damn. Savage. I mean, how how did they know? How would they know? You know? How could they That's, know? I don't buy it. I think he was like 6'5", 250. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, built like a brick shit house. <laughs> built like the rock. Built like me. What? <laughs> Meg Giver tweeted, you ever have an idea so dumb you get concerned that the brain that came up with it is the same one responsible for keeping you alive? Whoa. <laughs> I do. That's sending me places. And then Demi Adijuibe tweeted, spent a lifetime working on my, don't be alarmed, neighbor, you know, I'm just a friendly passerby, smile for white people, and now I got to walk around with a bandana on my mouth. This is bullshit. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link Hello. off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be today? Uh, I was just in an old, you know, old R&B soul mood. I was listening to some Roberta Flack, and I want to do Gone Away by Roberta Flack because I forgot in this song I was listening to all the way. The whole synth line for T.I.'s song, What You Know About That, is actually lifted from, like, sort of the last theme bridge, like, out of this Roberta Flack song. And oh, the Roberta really? Flack version that goes so hard. It's, like, with a full oh, wow. orchestra, like, and, like, brass and her voice. And I'm, like, I, need, I was, like, nah, nah, this is, this is, uh, this is gold here. So this is Gone Away by Roberta Flack. Hopefully it'll give you some energy uh, in these very low energy times. Mm. Uh, all right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this morning. We're going to ride out on that, and we'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We'll talk to you guys then. Bye. Bye. Because I want you back. You know. You are gone.